Hello and welcome to the Holy Hour podcast, the All Cure bi-weekly podcast. I'm Gavin. Thanks so much for joining us this evening, this afternoon, whenever you should be kind enough to stream this episode. I hope you're all doing well out there and uh, hanging in there these last couple months of this wonderful year we're having I'll tell you what, on the top here, um, my, my uh, 2020 just got a new interesting wrinkle. Um, yeah, I was out hiking with the family, which I'm not naturally much of a hiker, but in later years, since having a child, um, have started to get more into embracing nature and taking a child out into the woods and hiking with your wife and child is very fun and beautiful scenery here in Asheville, North Carolina, great hiking spots. So I'm starting to warm up to the idea even. And, uh, what do you know? We get to this weird ass hike last weekend and, uh, it just was kind of doomed from the start. We started noticing the trail wasn't really where it should be. We're crossing over parts. Some of the clues we had were like, well, you definitely do have to cross some, some logs and some rivers and, uh, climb over this and that so i'm already getting a little suspicious of this hike we you know found the wrong path and crossed this log i mean there's billions of trees crossing over rivers and creeks and such so we're crossing way too many of them and uh sure enough we made it to the beautiful waterfall it looked great but then on the way back my feet were already wet anyway i don't know what the hell i was thinking but they all crossed over on the the log and made it but uh yours truly made the mistake of slowing down you gotta just go fast and not not think about it too much but that's the story of my life i slipped and um foot went straight into two giant rocks and snap my foot's broken now so i broke my damn foot um as of recording this right now, I'm waiting to hear back if I need surgery or not. The cuboid bone, you guys familiar with that one? It's a tiny little middle bone on the side of my foot, um, or everybody's foot, rather. And uh, pretty hard to break, apparently. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a rare fracture, they say, which is great. In some kind of nutcracker fashion where it got smashed by the other two bones, pushing and twisting against it so so it's pushing out a little bit the pain actually isn't too bad um if i don't use it <laughs> so i'm hobbling around i got a boot and crutches right now and the options are hopefully i can just keep wearing a boot and um it'll heal in time or they're gonna have to get in there and push the little piece back where it needs to be and um so sad, man. It's just like, and it goes back to politics again, unfortunately, with, um, you know, it's just going to cost so much money, man, if they have to get in there and start cutting pieces and pushing them back. It's like, please just let it be a boot. So um, we'll be way past the fact by the time this comes out, but that's my dilemma right now. And uh, not really what I wanted to focus the episode on, but um, if this is a shorter one and it seems a little more rushed than normal... Now you know why. So I'm going to be kind of editing this and recording it at the same time and mixing it. So uh, it won't be the usual super polished um, podcast that you're used to here on the Holy Hour. But I really wanted to get this one out, especially after our Faith Somewhat Bummer episode. I thought this might be a kind of fun, um, lighthearted one to do. And um, I guess with the idea of me 
embracing nature and my wonderful child, Henson, and getting out and uh, just uh, loving my time with him in the woods and walking with the family and, and all that. This episode is focused on children as well, the children of the cure. Tom, Tom, Tom. So yeah, there's not too many, actually. Um, as we all know, no little Robert and Mary out there, um, which, of course, as we're seeing throughout 2020, um, maybe uh, maybe the smarter decision, as much as I love my kid, it's a scary fucking world out there, and uh, I've, I'm, I've uh, always been a little hesitant to por- bring this poor child into this world at this point, but... Uh, you know, he's going to make it better. The, the kids are going to make it better, right? Uh, Whitney Houston style, the children are the future. So let's see what kind of Cure future do we have. We're going to focus on offspring of Cure members this episode. And uh, like I said, there's not too many, um, but we do have some direct connections to Robert even and uh, a few of the other members. And uh, I feel like there's got to be more out there. I sent out a, a message on uh, Instagram, and you guys were real cool about responding back. Um, so I got a few more leads, but um, there's really not too many. But enough that we have some good audio clips I'm going to share with you guys. And um, some some cool children of Cure out there. And they're all surprisingly rad. So uh, maybe those will be some new tunes for you to check out, too, um, as this episode progresses. So, what do you think? Should we dive in and see what the future looks like as uh, the Cure offspring start to become old enough to create their own music and see where the influences lie and see how drastically different it is from their Cure parents? Um, let's do it. What do you say? All right. So up first, let's go ahead and just start off with one of the more widely known ones out there, or maybe not. But um, our old buddy Lowell Tolhurst, founding member of The Cure, uh, original drummer for The Cure, then original keyboardist for The Cure, then original other instruments of The Cure. So we all know Lowell's epic tale recently. Well, it's been a few years now, I guess, put out his memoir. And um, in that, we uh, learn of his son, Gray. And uh, his son is um, from the San Francisco region. I'm not quite sure where uh, Lowell's based out of these days, if it's more L.A. or San Francisco. But um, this is uh, basically where, where Gray's grown up, I believe, here in the U.S. So, And... Uh, is into music and has some cool tunes out there so pretty cool um so let's look at what gray has thrown out into the world it started out with more kind of full-on solo projects um so yeah gray has um a band that tyler actually um that we have a friend of the show, Tyler, that you've heard on here before, uh, dropped us a comment in the Instagram feed that he actually played a show with his act, Violator, um, played a show with Gray um, at one point. So that was kind of cool. And I went through a band camp rabbit hole of listening to the Gray Tolher solo stuff more. And um, there are like six releases on his band camp, um, a couple full albums, um, but more singles and EPs, and they date back all the way to like 2013 even. 
And uh, there's one single, Drown in the Sea Inside, and is a 20-minute instrumental track. So that's pretty cool to hear. Um, and then there's a song called Belonging, which is more acoustic-based. And his solo stuff in general, in my opinion, definitely seemed a little more like Beatles-y vibe. Um, stronger, you know, or more melodic songwriting, catchier tunes like that. Um, here's a little snippet of Belonging. project these days is his band called topographies and um they have a few releases that you can find out there as well and this one i think will appear uh, appeal more to cure fans out there um i couldn't find the article again but i remember reading it a few months back where he was saying that he was always a little hesitant to dive into the new wave post-punk kind of sound or anything that's more you know, in the cure vein because of the direct connection. I think it's anytime you have children of celebrities of any sort, they're either, you know, a little hesitant to to fully embrace, you know, what people will be expecting from them. If you hear that it's a, a kid of a child of the cure, you know, members, founding members in particular. So, you know, it's kind of what everyone would expect. And you do kind of get that vibe more, from topographies but i gotta say these songs are rad i really embraced and listening to them and really enjoyed it um so let's start off with a few of these tracks they've been cranking them out in 2022 um they got let's see a couple singles just popped up earlier in the year um they've got let's see a couple singles rose of sharon and see you as you fall and um, they're going to be part of a full LP coming out in uh, maybe by the time this episode is out, 12-4, so December 4th, it's coming out. It's called Ideal Form on Funeral Party Records, fittingly. Um, so I'm not quite sure what didn't seem like Funeral Party Records was like his label or anything. So uh, pretty cool that that reference is even in there. So they're, they're fully embracing it. Um you can pre-order it now. Like I said, maybe you can even full-on order the album by the time this episode comes out. But um, you can check out the the single, See You As You Fall. Had a nice little write-up in San Francisco Weekly. Um, it said, a collage of shimmering reverb-drenched guitars, uh, extraterrestrials, drum machines, and glowing synths. See You As You Fall seems like a love song recorded at the edge of the planet. 
and it is both warm and cold as Tolhurst's distant vocals give a feeling of detached resignation. But when he sings, I'm in heaven, but they're running out of room, the song is flooded with a sudden sense of pathos. Tolhurst may be a disembodied floating presence, but even otherworldly beings have feelings. San Francisco Weekly. So yeah, it's pretty pretty cool review that sounds like that can match many a Cure songs, and um, you'll definitely see the similarities here. And it's cool that he's like the front man on all this stuff, and uh, has a cool voice. Um, seems like uh, he's at the helm for the songwriting, but this might be more of a collaboration here with the band. Um, the others in the band, let's see, another write-up for Ideal Form that was probably taken from their band camp, I believe. Um, says Topography's debut full album set to be released on Funeral Party Records in December. The album synthesizes and clarifies the band's aesthetic in eight drum machine and synth heavy tracks. Accompanied by Jeremy Rustis, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, Restis's uh, ethereal guitar work, the nimble bass lines of Justin Aranos, and Gray Tolhurst's po- poetic lyrics. The album was engineered and produced by Chris King, also a member of the LA-based band Cold Showers, and mastered by Raphael Anton Irisari at Black Knoll Studios in New York. Tolhurst, whose early exposure to music came from his father, Lawrence Tolhurst, drummer and keyboardist of The Cure, draws on his dual fascinations of independent music and 20th century poetry to craft songs and lyrics that seek to explore the complex map of occurrences that situate and shape a life. Ideal form is a concern is concerned with projections human beings place upon experience and the impossibility of a perfectly realized existence. Wow. I love how uh, (laughs) music bios and reviews are just never afraid to go overly epic. These are epic tunes, though, so it it fits. And uh, I'm really, really uh, been digging um, an EP. And we'll see this as kind of a pattern for all these Children of Cure, is that how many EPs and single-heavy all these are. There's not too many full-on albums. Um, Gray's solo stuff is kind of the exception, where he's put out more full albums but we're getting lots of eps and singles maybe that's just the wave of the feature anyway but um yeah just an interesting side note but one of the eps uh that topography's put out in may of 2020 um has really just the one i've been focusing on and fixated on it's a four track um ep called not my loneliness but yours and just totally has like that faith feel with like synths heavy the vocals are very cool in the mix and packed with reverb and uh i kind of would have to say any cure fan especially early cure fan would uh would be down with these tunes so um here's one it's the final track on that ep even though the the leadoff track is starting to grow on me more and more but i like this last one a lot restraint here's a little snippet of that one
So like I said, they have a couple EPs out there and some singles right now that are the little previews of the album to come. But another EP that came out in February, another four-song EP, it's called Difference and Repetition. Difference and Repetition. Um, and you would think that the album was just going to be compiling these two EPs, uh, but they're different songs. So you got plenty to choose from with these guys, which is always cool. Um, and again, that one's growing on me too. I've been kind of fixated on the other one for now, but, uh, I have a feeling I'm going to bounce over to this one fairly soon and keep checking it out because, um, very cool tunes. They got a great vibe, um, and great for just putting on and hanging out around the house. So, uh, get early, early morning jams if you want to put on something kind of mellow, but cool. And, uh, if you'll notice in a lot of that, um, reviews and write-ups that I was reading, they're dropping pretty casually the poetic nature of Gray's lyrics and poetry and this, you know, really not afraid to throw that out there. And it's because apparently um, it is something that he's really focused on. There's an actual YouTube clip of him reading poetry at some kind of reading. Um, I'll post on our Facebook page if you want to check it out. It's pretty cool. He's just kind of up there in some kind of a reading situation, like a lecture hall looking kind of thing. And uh, he's reading his poetry and it's pretty impressive. So uh, if you remember back uh, in Lowell's book too, and one of the questions that we threw his way that Arusha and Carl were kind enough to ask on our behalf at a Lowell signing, um, Lowell had mentioned that he actually contributed some lyrics to Faith in 17 Seconds in the early days and, you know, kind of just lines here and there. He didn't really pinpoint any specific ones that he was saying, yeah, I definitely wrote that, you know, but um, it sounded like it was kind of a given that he would throw some lines to Robert and they're incorporated, especially on Faith and uh, those early albums. So, uh, you know, as they say, it, 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 um, the apple and the tree and cats in the cradle or some shit. But, um, yeah, so <laughs> clearly his son has got the gift. And, uh, there are really good lyrics in Topography's, uh, songs from what I've been able to pick apart. So pretty cool. So I highly recommend checking them out. I think they'll be touring around a lot, um, once touring ever resumes again. And would be super rad to check them out. So don't hesitate. Track them down. And that would be pretty cool if uh, somehow our buddy Tyler and Violator were on the same bill as um, Gray again. Gray again. That was one of my friend's old songs. Anyway, um, cool. Let's move on. All right. Up next might be one that... Um, might be a little less obvious to you guys out there that you haven't heard of. We stumbled across this even, I think, post-recording the Phil Thornalley episode we did earlier in the year where I was thumbing through something and just stumbled across um, a reference. Um, I think I might have made it mentioned it in passing 
in the in the final clip of the sign off of that episode. Um, but yeah, Phil Thornalley, producer of pornography and um, Love Cats, and a couple of those singles, bassist during the top tour. Um, you know, we did that whole episode. It's amazing the things that that Phil has done that the average Cure fan might not even be aware of. But um, amazing producer, songwriter throughout the years, and uh, touring bassist. And he apparently has a child out in the world creating wonderful music and breaking new grounds as well. And um, definitely in the breaking new grounds. This is a cooler perspective on the Cure Children angle because his son um, is more of an electronic artist and producer like his dad. Uh, goes by the name Vegan, V-E-G-Y-N. And um, his actual name is Joe Thornalley, though. Uh, he's about 26 years old, best I can figure, um, and based out of London. Um, in 2020, he put out an album, his first official solo album, I reckon, uh, called Only Diamonds Cut Diamonds. And um, just this year, put out um, alt versions, EP version of it, where it's like remixes and um, I think it's still him kind of just putting out alt, alt versions of songs from that album, but it's a five-song EP. Um, the actual full album came out in 2019, and uh, here's a snippet just to give you a taste of what we're diving into here of a song called It's Nice to Be Alive. Tell we're uh, quite a, a world away from uh, Natalie and Brulia Torn or um, even Love Cats for that matter. Uh, so yeah, taking it in a new direction. But um, the producing side of Vegan's career is similar to his dad, where he is probably the most well-known without being known amongst Cure fans um, in true Thorn Alley fashion. Uh, you guys familiar with Frank Ocean? Big uh, big star, from what I know. Uh, but I, I remember checking out his album early on. But apparently the album Blonde in 2016 and an album called Endless by Frank Ocean that were widely successful, huge albums were produced by uh, our buddy Vegan here. And uh, he's also worked with James Blake. So a lot of uh, big-name production work and contributor to those albums, too. It didn't sound like he was just sit-behind-the-desk kind of producer. He's really in there and uh, working with these artists. And um, when he put out his solo album, Only Diamonds Cut Diamonds, it would sound like it was a pretty huge jump to, to go into doing stuff on his own and putting his own tracks out there. He even created his own label, from what I've been able to gather, called um, Please Make It Ruins, uh, P-L-Z, Make It Ruins. And, um, and there's a couple other things out there on Apple when, when I'm digging up his name there and seeing what I can find. He even has a 70-track album that sounded pretty interesting. It's called Text While Driving If You Want to Meet God. And uh, 
it was designed to be put out as like a zip file. So it was kind of cool where they're all just like a whole batch of these 70s, 70 songs. And um, they're not even meant to be played. Like it's weird. They're alphabetical. So I don't even know if the track order has to do with that or what. Or they're just kind of, he said they're kind of designed just to pop around and listen to it however you want. He doesn't expect people to listen to 70 songs in a row. He has another collection of eight tracks that came out in 2014 called All Bad Things Have Ended, Your Lunch Included. So there's a good humor in these track titles uh, that I like and um, sense of humor to the work that seems pretty cool uh, that you don't get with a lot of electronic music. And um, But yeah, all the songs are super chill, um, different kind of electronic music. I'd be interested to see what Donald thinks of that since that's more his, uh, his world and... Um, is definitely more in favor of that than me. Um, but in in an interview too, he said many electronic artists stick to either house or straight up techno kind of stuff, and he likes the more exper- experimental side of it. Um, and you can definitely hear that in the tunes, especially those alt versions of the songs from Only Diamonds Cut Diamonds are very just like don't even have the beat in it. It's just like weird little noises going on and some cool electronic stuff. So it's almost like you take out all the core of a song and then you had the little accompanied parts floating around in there. So it's definitely interesting. I don't know if it's my full on cup of tea, but at the same time, cool that it's different and, uh, trying new stuff for sure. And, uh, so yeah, I'm not sure if I full on get it, but uh, I totally embrace it. And there's some cool videos out there. Um, like all these guys have, uh, varying video clips that I'll make a YouTube playlist of the videos I'm able to scrounge up and, uh, you can check that out. I'll link to it on the Facebook page or on our YouTube page. I'll have the full-on playlist. So you'll get a little better idea. Some of these kind of make more sense when you see the video. All right, moving away from the electronic beats a bit. We're going to go straight into the rock and roll world. And this is one that most Cure fans have probably a most direct connection to or familiarity with. And that is Simon Gallup's son, Eden. Eden is the son of Simon and Carol. Um, Simon's first wife, who is actually Pearl's sister. So Pearl's sister. Um, so yeah, that's that, always that wrinkle of Cure members. Uh, we They get... You know, everybody's a little more familiar with the fact that Pearl was married to Janet, Robert's sister, but um, it gets even more uh, triangular when you realize that uh, Simon was married to Carol, Pearl's sister, and they had Eden and Lily, and uh, Eden is all grown up now and has a full-on rock band, and they are full-on rock for sure. Um, I believe they've opened for the cure a few shows that people have seen out there. I know the Mexico city one, I think in particular, but a few of the festival shows, I feel like there's been a couple now where, um, Violet Vendetta is the name of the band and they've opened for the cure. You've seen Eden also as guitar tech work or roadie, whatever the official term is these days for um, the band as they're touring. He's always out there in the sound checks. Um, I don't know if he's exclusive to Simon's bass there where he's always getting his dad's bass ready for him. Um, But uh, definitely 
the dude you see out there before shows walking around making sure everything's in check. And um, so that's pretty cool that we're already like familiar with, with him. And of course, during the festivals of 2019, we got to see Eden actually play in The Cure for two shows, and that was exceptionally rad. So um, we saw him in Fiji fill in for his dad, um, which was great because I saw that live stream as it was happening and just happened to catch that one. And like my heart was like pounding through the whole thing. I was so nervous for the poor kid. I was like, oh my God. I mean, he totally had it. But at the same time, the pressure of that must have been insane. And um, and actually, my last Cure show and the last official live show as of now in Austin City Limits last year, over a year ago now, um, was uh, Eden filling in for Simon on bass. So I remember being there all day waiting for that moment and then uh, seeing Eden come out. No Simon. I was like, oh, no. And of course... You know, a little part of me was like, oh, no, I don't know when my last chance to see Simon is again. So I was a little like, "Ah, damn. But then it just, he came out and even nailed it more perfectly than the Fiji show, even from my perspective, in my opinion. And it, you know, it was about halfway through the first song. I was like, totally embraced Eden even more. And uh, the fact that I was witnessing something very exceptional and cool made it uh, all worth it. And damn, what a good show that was. So, um, yeah, so just even before we go into his actual solo work and such, um, he's already won over probably 90% of Cure fans uh, just by filling in for his dad and doing such a wonderful job. And I'll gush more about that in the old Austin City Limits episode if you want to go back and listen to that. But um, so let's focus on his actual work and the songs that he's been writing. He's been working in this band Violet Vendetta um, for quite a while now. And um, he's definitely the driving force behind this. There's a cool interview that was out there about him growing up and discovering music on his own. So I'll link to that too, but uh, definitely leans a little on the metalhead side there slash inspired him to play guitar and then just growing up and listening to all his dad's like old punk records around the house and, uh, Definitely balances it all out. And uh, Violet Vendetta formed in technically in 2004 when he was only 14. Um, he said there's been many lineup changes over the years. He's the only original founding member, so it's kind of like he takes the name on. And um, But it sounds like they have a pretty steady um, lineup going as of now. Um, but by 2006, they had three EPs, two demos. And I remember even going back about that far of like getting the occasional like mp3 floating around i've downloaded off of something and some of the songs will stick around but then new ones will pop out but it's very ep heavy and for some reason they just really haven't hasn't been a full-on official debut full-length album then the interview i was reading it said it was coming out anytime now it was 2018 i think the interview and it said the full-length album was due in 2019 but in 2019 we got on a more official EP. It's the self-titled one that's on iTunes right now if you punch in Violet Vendetta. And uh, so maybe it just got stripped down to making it a shinier, more, um, you know, put together EP as opposed to the full album. I don't know where it shifted and that or if there's bonus tracks out there or something. But, you know, like I said, that's probably where it's all headed these days anyway with more EPs and singles than full albums. 
Um, so yeah, it's a six track self-titled EP out there that I'm kind of taking as the main, uh, full debut of Violet Vendetta. Um, and it's pretty rad. It's very rock heavy. Like I said, it's, um, got this very, you know, dude rock feel to it almost. So it's a, a, a distinct style and it's super British though. So that makes it way cooler than if they were like a U.S. band doing this sound. Um, but it reminds me kind of like, um, when we did the episodes of with Love Amongst Ruin and such with Pearl, uh, Perry's band that he'd been playing in with the guy from Placebo and stuff, where it's kind of in that vein more. Maybe I want to say Muse. It's not really stuff that I really rock out to normally, so I feel like I can't quite put my finger on what other bands they remind me of. But um, it's just kind of like straight up cool rock music, and uh, his voice almost hits like young Ozzy tones at times. Um, so uh, I don't know. Give it a listen. I'd be curious to see what you guys would compare it to. Um, there's the I think it was one of the main singles. It has a video. Uh, the song's called Ride. And um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Here's a snippet of Ride off of the self-titled EP. See, pretty rocking, definitely rad. He's definitely got his dad's uh, badass nature when it comes to uh, rocking out there. So um, the young stallion, one can call him. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. I'd totally recommend checking out that EP. Um, like I said, I'm, it's on iTunes. I know for sure, most likely Spotify. And if you want to snag three earlier singles, there's three on their Bandcamp site that are free to download. Um, Splendid Ignition, Midnight Circus, and then another version of Ride, I believe, is on there. So, um, yeah, go check those out, gather them up, and uh, keep your eyes peeled because I think there's going to be more from these guys on the horizon and uh, seem to be really building good momentum and such as much as we can right now. Anyway, if we just hit pause on right before 2020, it seems like they were definitely had a good momentum going so hopefully they can continue that on and uh, get more cool tunes out of them but we can't move on from uh, Violent Vendetta too far because somewhere in all this too (laughs) um, Eden put out like a more solo side project too called Serpent Ride
really sure what this was initially. I thought it was just like another Violet Vendetta uh, single or EP. Um, but then I started digging in a bit more as somebody on the thread there suggested. I didn't realize it's like a full other project. And uh, it, it is totally different stuff. It's more of a synth heavy project for Eden. And this feels a little more solo as opposed to working with the guys in the band and such. Um, so yeah, it's more synth heavy. Um, and he said in the interview that there were songs that didn't quite fit with the Violent Vendetta kind of theme and rock feel, uh, which does make sense when you listen to it. Um, you know, they're not drastically different, but definitely with the more keyboard heavy and such. The album's called Invaders, and it is a full-length album. It came out in 2018, so before the EP even. And um, so, yeah, it's odd that your side project would come out with the full-length album before your actual main project, but whatever, weird times. So um, it's definitely super tight, though, and uh, also really rocks well. Um and there's a, also a variation that came out, an EP, again, kind of a remix version of six tracks from that um, came out this year. And uh, the remix is from Invaders. And uh, Paul Corkett, co-producer of Blood Flowers, actually did one of the remixes. And uh, he's also worked with Placebo and stuff and heaps of others over the years. Um, so that one's worth checking out. He does a remix of uh, Dance Now. So... Uh, Here's a little snippet of that and how it's reworked. So if you're familiar with the version of Dance Now from Invaders, the actual album, it's not drastically different, but it does kind of up the dance factor with it, like a remix would. And uh, so yeah, much like his dad and Robert and uh, crew, he, he loves a good remix apparently. <laughs> so uh, we're checking those out. I'm not sure um, if both projects are even that drastically different either, but um, I feel like... Uh, I tend to lean more synth heavy, so I, I kind of lean in that way. But uh, Violent Vendetta definitely shows a lot of promise. With every listen, I like the songs a lot more, so they grow on you a lot. And uh, yeah, so that's cool. I hope he keeps both going. Um, so definitely check those out. I don't think you'll be disappointed and uh, keeps the, the Cure bloodline flowing there. So when you're made of Simon and pearl pieces can't go too wrong right so good on you eden all right uh side note before we move on to the next artist um when i threw out the initial idea or uh request for help on instagram we heard from not sure if it was from janie or chris from uh, cure news archives there but they had mentioned in the 90s there was a shoegaze band um, and it was a little unclear of what the connection was to Simon, but it was Simon's sister's kids, which I think would make them either nieces and nephews then at that point. Um, I think they said cousins, Simon's cousins, um, or maybe they'd be cousins to Eden. I'm not quite sure. But uh, they were called Drift in a 90 shoegaze band, which sounds rad, but I couldn't find any actual audio clips of them anywhere on 
the interwebs there. So if anybody else out there is familiar with Drift, um, I'm assuming a UK-based 90s rock shoegaze band, which sounds right up all our alleys. Um, I would love to hear them. So Simon's sister's kids. So yeah, that'd be uh, his nieces, Simon's nieces and nephews. Sounds about right, right? So let us know. Drift, if you can find anything on them. Would love to hear it. All right. Our final artist. And um, this one kind of snuck up on me. And uh, I got to say, I've been addicted to a couple of these songs. This is The Drowning Boy. And this is uh, Darcy Thompson's band. Darcy formed Drowning Boy with Lewis Ford. Luke Taylor and Lucas uh, Baez, um, and uh, as always, sorry for mispronouncing, Darcy is the son of Pearl and Janet, who is Robert Smith's sister. So, um, probably the most direct connection to Robert's bloodline, I assume. So, um, even though Eden is Robert's godson... This one actually has DNA of Robert Smith. <laughs> and um, I believe Janet is the sister uh, credited for teaching Perry piano, um, as we learned earlier in the Perry episode this year. So uh, Janet um, and Perry, uh, Pearl were married early on. I don't believe they're together anymore. I'm not quite sure when the split happened, and, you know, we don't need to focus on the negative stuff, but apparently, um, who knows what the relationship is like these days, but um, they had this wonderful child, uh, Darcy, and this kid looks amazing. Um, there's a few video clips out. They only have three singles. I'm hoping a full album is in the works. Um and, or at least an EP <laughs> seems to be the the fashion. So uh, hopefully, when all this uh, Corona madness wears off, we will uh, start seeing a full release from these guys. They seem really young in the videos. This is uh, most of the clips are like from 2018 and such, and 2019 that they came out. So they seem really young. Um, from what I know, they formed in the summer of 2018, studied uh, music production together in college. And uh, they're based out of Brighton and describe themselves as having a summer vibe with sad lyrics. Um, so they're like super mellow and chill indie pop songs. And uh, it's right up my alley. Um, almost a dare say has like kind of a Bill and Sebastian vibe or the Luxmiths, if you remember them. Where it's uh, just kind of mellow tunes. And I don't know, I almost feel like it has like a really early um, 90s like... British alternative vibe to it almost like the um the ocean blue you remember that band and stuff like that kind of vibe um but very cool I really like his voice a lot and the songs are catchy as hell so like the writing is definitely there on these three tunes that are out there it looks like the same ones are kind of floating around on Bandcamp and on Apple so they might be on all the outlets um uh the songs are called Overhill and um, Spaced, and one called 7511. And they were all released in 2018 and 2019. Um, and they made their live debut in January of 2019. Hard to say how much they played throughout that year. 
Um, but like I said, just a really cool vibe. They got a couple of video clips. I think two of the three have a full on videos that are pretty cool. Overhill, they're all really tiny in the video and standing on like branches and stuff. And it's kind of intercut with footage of them just goofing around and stuff. Uh, Spaced is like a live clip of them playing acoustic in someone's backyard, but it's surprisingly cool. Um, unfortunately, the 7511 song uh, does not have a full-on video yet. It's just an audio video clip out there. But I think that's my favorite, man. I, that song is so good. I'm going to play a snippet of it right now. It's one of those songs I listened to it for the first time. I was like, yeah, that's really cool. I like that. And then I went, I paused it and went to cook something or something. And I was like, forgot that I was even really listening to it and started coming up with a melody. I was like, oh man, did I invent that? And I was like recording myself and realized I was totally nicking the melody. And I was like, oh, cool. But that to me, that's a great sign of great songwriting is like you hear it and your mind starts just racing in a billion directions too. And you think you just wrote an awesome song, but really I was just thinking of their awesome song. If that makes any sense, maybe there's some songwriters out there or else I'm just nuts. I don't know. Here's the song I'm talking about. Seven five eleven. that one again on the way out and uh let you just fully absorb that one and uh hopefully they won't sue us but i can't embrace it enough i think it's it's such a cool song and uh i just love the guitar part i love the vocals so um like i said that one's right up my alley um all these are great though i'm really impressed with like you know none of i don't i'm not even a big electronic music guy and uh i really like those vegan songs they're really cool i've been putting them on while i'm just hanging out and doing stuff um so yeah I, I don't know if i'm just biased just knowing that they have any direct connection to cure members makes me love them more or what but um pretty cool and and then you gotta love that when the uh, talent gets passed down and uh I think it's easy for kids to just be totally freaked out by the fact that their parents are awesome musicians and they would just not touch it at all they'd all just or just become like writers or or painters or something you know like something totally different but um, cool that they're embracing it. Like I said, I don't know if there's others out there. I know Jason Cooper has kids, but I think they're pretty young. Um, Simon's other two are uh, pretty young too. So maybe some stuff on the horizon in the hopefully not too far off future. Maybe they'll get into it too. Um, but yeah, as far as like Robert, Roger, Perry, I know definitely don't have kids. Um Reeves, Boris, and Andy. I felt like I'd heard about Reeves having a kid somewhere at some point, but maybe not when I started digging into this. No word of any offspring from Boris or Andy, and who knows for Michael, Dempsey, and Matthew. Um, maybe, probably. Uh, so if anybody has any leads on those, maybe we can do a part two with their their younglings. And um, 
see what they've been up to. So who knows? I think that's pretty cool. Keep the legacy rolling. Um, we'll kind of leave it at that. Sorry, this is kind of a more scatterbrained episode than I wanted it to be. I'm, I'm rambling like crazy, I can tell. But um, really wanted to get this one out and not uh, lose a week here, um, despite my foot injury and the... Uh, the constant wackiness of this year, but we're on the home stretch. I might be uh, limping across that finish line at this point, but I'll be glad as long as my heart's bumping still. And um, we hope you guys had a wonderful holiday safe out there and are still kicking too. Um, so be sure to stay in touch. Check us out on the Holy Hour on Apple apple podcast subscribe on there so you don't miss the next uh episodes and know what's on the horizon find us on youtube and instagram you can keep up to date on everything at the holy hour podcast on there and check out the clips this will be a great one to check out the facebook page for because i'm gonna put video clips on there um like i said or just youtube classic youtube i'll post it all in a in a playlist over there and check out the other playlist i've made one for all the profile guys so there's like a Phil Thorn Alley playlist. There's a Perry one, and there's uh, just some rare clips and stuff, some cure stuff. Trying to put more content on that YouTube page, so definitely go check that out uh, if you have a minute. And uh, we'll keep you posted. We're on the home stretch of this year. We got our uh, big uh, year in review episode coming up, which is also going to be our 150th celebration episode. It's going to be a weird one, so. Why not, right? Let's let's wrap this year up in weird fashion. And then for the final episode this year, who knows what's going to happen. We're kind of winging it here on the home stretch. But we hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for listening. Do check out Vegan and Topographies and Gray's Solo Stuff, Violent Vendetta and uh, Serpent Ride and, of course, Drowning Boy too. And uh, let me know what you think of them. I think they're all standout and promising artists that if there was no direct cure connection, I'd be just as eager to listen to what they put out next. I don't think you'll feel drastically different. So until next time for the Holy Hour, stay safe and talk hard.